0: One of the most disappointing things in life, actually a very first world problem, is you're in Greece, you're expecting this great playoff game, which in Greek time, it's in the dawn. So you put your alarm clock, you wake up, and then the game is boring, or the game is decided in like the third quarter. So you lost your sleep for nothing. Looks like the Republican primaries will be something like that. We were expecting them as this big uh, battle with uh, many candidates, and now it looks like Trump is set to win. So what do I mean it's not gonna be as tough as we thought? So some months ago when Ron DeSantis the hopeful uh, new candidate of the Republican Party, the governor of Florida, when he desi- when he announced, when it was clear that he would run, he was his distance the, the lead between Trump and himself was 2%. So he was very very close to Trump as the year started. As the year is progressing and we find ourselves in July, if you look at credible websites like 538, which have the averages of all the opinion polls, you see that the gap between Trump and DeSantis is 30%. 30%. So DeSantis doesn't have to look so much ahead to see how far Trump is, he has to look beside to see where the other candidates are and whether even the second position, which doesn't mean anything, but even the second position is threatened. So today we're going to ask what happened to Ron DeSantis and his campaign. And I'm here with James Valiant. You might wonder why start at 7.30, 7.30 Greek time, uh, 5.30 UK time. Well, because today the new show of ARC UK, The Daily Collective, is going to begin daily collective is taking place at the time of the uh, of the daily objective and the daily objective goes half an hour earlier what is the daily Ob- collective i'm not sure if it's called the daily collective you're gonna see in half an hour but james let's start with uh, the so is it given is trump going to win is the
1: over well, most standard political pundits who tell you that it's maybe still a little too early to tell. There are going to be important debates. And we don't know whether Trump is going to even participate in those debates. Many voters, according to polls, think that matters a lot. That, you know, 70% of Iowa caucus voters, they're one of the earliest states to, to hold their primary or caucus. 70% of Republicans in Iowa have not yet made up their mind So uh, I think it could be fluid. I agree with you. I think that this is Trump's to lose. He appears to be getting stronger and stronger. Uh, the He's under uh, what looks like three criminal indictments of varying qualities. Uh, and uh, whatever his role in January 6th, whatever, however he lied about those top secret documents, seems to be helping him with Republicans. Uh, it, because they, there's this notion that the Justice Department is being unfair. On the other hand, there are a lot of Republicans who are critical of Trump. It's as though both political political parties are headed to nominate someone that most Americans do not want to be president, which is a strangely ironic thing. So we have time here, but I would still say it is Trump's to lose.
0: Now, we will have a special section at the end of the daily objective, which they obviously every day it's going to be sorted because it has a clear cut line uh, at six UK time. But before we talk about Trump, we have to talk about the Sandis. So you said that people wanted, many Republicans wanted an alternative to Trump. So DeSantis decided that he would out-Trump Trump. So DeSantis thinks that what made Trump to the political bulldozer that he is, he stands in the culture war. So now he tries to overtake Trump from the right. So he talks against the LGBTQ community. Uh, He talks about, not his campaign, his campaign. He takes political initiatives in universities to find, quote, wokeness. So he thinks that this is the way to go. At the same time, though, even if Trump has all these troubles with justice, DeSantis is asked a very simple question. Is Trump persecuted justly? Or he is being asked the question, did Trump lose fairly in 2020. So what does DeSantis say? If he says yes, he alienates the Trump base. If he says no, then people who didn't like Trump say, wait a minute, we were expecting someone who is more serious than Trump. And we find someone who tells us the same BS than Trump. And also a very important detail, Trump, whether you like him, whether you hate him, is charismatic. This doesn't mean he's a good person. Trump has a charisma that DeSantis is lacking. DeSantis reminds me of Ted Cruz in 2016. Unlikable. Unlikable. He stands with Trump on stage. Not much of a chance.
1: No, he's just not personable. There's nothing charming or friendly or funny about him. (laughs) Nothing that most Americans can, let's say, relate to. Uh, uh, and there are many Americans, obviously, can relate to Donald Trump, which is, I guess, disturbing in its own right. But DeSantis's personality, uh, for many people, is a total turnoff. Uh, that's true. He does not have the charisma of Trump. But what we've
0: discussed till now is more like political gossip. Now right. let's get to the essence. What is DeSantis really about? There are many people, even in the periphery of or inside of our movement, who see. DeSantis as someone who is a good candidate, as someone who is a pro-freedom candidate. Now, my take is that DeSantis is failing every litmus test that I have in my mind around freedom. One of my first litmus tests is, do you, try, do you understand the notion of private property? If you don't understand the notion of private property, I don't care about your candidacy. I actually think you're a bad choice. I would even say you're worse than Trump because everyone sees Trump, they get, okay. this guy stands for nothing. But you supposedly, you stand for something. So let us see, instead of me telling you whether DeSantis understands the notion of private property or not, let's hear from DeSantis himself. And there were some conservatives that said, yeah, well- Oh, God. sorry, 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 so pause, dear, dear producer, pause. The context here is, this is from the National Conservative Conference last year. So the DeSantis is embracing the notion of national conservatives. And he explains why in Florida, he forced private companies to get rid of the vaccine mandates. Notice, private companies. So if James has a cafe, And James says, I don't want unvaxxed people in my cafe. The son says, no, you will have them. And let us listen to his explanation. If you can boost the volume a bit, dear producer, that would be good. And there were some conservatives that said, yeah, well,
1: government shouldn't do vaccine passport, but if a private business wants to do it, what's wrong with that? Well, I'll tell you what wrong, what's wrong with that: is an individual has a right to participate in society, and we're not just going to sit idly by if you're trying
0: to circumscribe people's freedoms. And that's true if it's government; it's also true if
1: it's big business. And there were some. Con- James. This guy doesn't know freedom, doesn't know rights, doesn't know capitalism, doesn't know America, period. The huge difference between a private company doing this and a government doing this is enormous. That is the very distinction, the key distinction, that he has just eradicated. He is no better than these old leftists who used to believe in corporate censorship, corporate power, corporate takeover. It used to be the left who had this attitude about corporations. And when you look at it, he is obviously no friend of freedom or civil liberties, because the minute you start regulating these private corporations, you're the censor, Governor DeSantis. You're the one telling corporations, private businesses, private voluntary organizations, what they can and cannot do or say. No, he is an enemy of both economic and civil liberties, and for the same reason. He is like the old progressive in my mind. He's adopted the old labor policy that there can be corporate censorship. No, absolutely wrong. And this is what you can hear it. It is your, you don't have a right to participate in society. If that means the right to come into my living room. No, I can kick you the hell out of my society and my home. Thank you very much. You do not have that freedom, Governor DeSantis. And this applies to any voluntary private organization, including corporations. If someone did this to a private club, a private organization, it should be the same as if a corporation did it. You know, one of the recent things that he did uh, was to file a lawsuit against the parent company of Bud Light because they hired the transgender uh, spokesperson. Wait a minute. What the hell business? Now, whatever you think of that. Whatever you think of transgenderism or the use of a transgender spokesperson for Bud Light, that is none of government's business. It is up to the shareholders to bring those kind of lawsuits if they think they're being uh, uh, screwed in a fiduciary way by the board of directors. Or it's up to the customers to say, I'm not going to buy your product. The customers are the real power players here. And look at what happened. Bud Light suffered enormously. We don't need you, Governor DeSantis, to tell the people what they want let the free market decide these things and you keep your government the hell out of this. It is a form of censorship to tell Anheuser-Busch who or who not, they who, or who, who, who can be their spokesman or not. It, that is so anti-capitalist, so anti-American, so anti-individualist rights, it is profoundly disturbing to me.
0: Now, one could say maybe this was a bad moment, Maybe he didn't understand what he was saying, but actually it's even worse because when DeSantis is speaking in a smaller audience in behind closed doors, he's even more open when it comes to his anti-business agenda. Anti-business agenda, let's listen. The second clip, before we listen to it, the, co- the, the context here is he's in a semi-closed meeting, you will see another Republican candidate, Vivek, uh, but back then he was not a candidate. He was there as a a businessman. So DeSantis really, let's say, openly chats and discusses his ideas about what he calls, quote, big tech. Dear producer, do we have the clip? Let's hear it. It's a short one. And
1: I do think companies like Google should be broken up. I mean, they're just too big. They have too much power. And um, I think they're exercising a more negative influence on our society than the trust that got broken up at the early 20th century.
0: Now, when I first saw this, I thought, maybe this is artificial intelligence. <coughs> he cannot have said that. I went and I found he, he, had, he actually did say that. So here you have the candidate of the supposedly pro-freedom the wannabe candidate of the supposedly pro-freedom party, the candidate that many objectivists, or anyway, with or without quotation marks, when I criticize him on Twitter, they're telling me that uh, I'm simping for the left or I don't know what. We have this guy openly telling you, we have to break Google. Why? Because it's too big. This is Richard Woolf stuff. This is David Harvey's stuff. This is properly leftist stuff. And notice also the comparison. Probably we did, back in the day, we were breaking monopolies. So we should also break today monopolies. And this is the guy who is supposedly the pro-freedom candidate, James.
1: Unbelievable. Once more, it's censorship. It's government censorship from Florida. They want to dictate the political opinions of private organizations. Had this been the conservative-leaning national chain Chick-fil-A, which sells a chicken, but has very conservative politics, DeSantis isn't going to go over after them. Chick-fil-A has every right to promote conservative ideas, religious ideas, any ideas they want that are friendly to the Republican Party in Florida. But no, if you're a corporation that takes a different standpoint, we're going to go after you. Now, that is, of course, socialism. That is, of course, (laughs) socialism, at least in the first steps. This is a defense of the pernicious antitrust laws. Uh, The guy, like I say, that wouldn't know capitalism if it bit him on the tail end, but it's also, and this is another point I wanna stress, a kind of censorship. He says that big tech, because just because they're big tech can engage, no, Twitter as such, as long as there's no government involvement. Twitter can't censor anybody. Facebook can't censor anybody. These are private organizations that have a right to have their own opinions and to filter things and edit things through their own opinions. They're private organizations. On the other hand, when government tells, and I, it, look at this, in any way threatens, with any trust, regulations, you name it, because we don't like your opinion, That is censorship. It's not Facebook and Twitter who are doing the censorship. It's you, Governor DeSantis, dictating the politics of a private organization, favoring some over the other. That is censorship, Governor.
0: And it's not a coincidence that a constant theme in capitalism and unknown ideal is the fight against, quote, monopoly. Ayn Rand says the anti-monopoly legislation is among the most unfair legislation ever passed in the United States, among the most unfair, particularly when it comes to economic. We've had uh, racist legislation, very, very unfair. When it comes to economic, the anti-monopoly legislation is up there. And here you have supposedly people who are proponents of Ayn Rand saying, yeah, this guy has a point when it comes to big tech. I would say, people, you've completely lost your moral compass if you think Whatever this guy is saying is compatible with with freedom.
1: Now, perhaps the most non-objective federal law in the United States are these damn antitrust laws. They are evil on the face of it. They are non-objective on the face of it. And for this guy to be using them as a a bludgeon for ideological reasons is the absolute opposite of everything America has ever stood for. I have no other way of putting
0: it. So we were saying some time ago that both from this channel and in the episodes I did in New Idea Live for the National Conservatives, which is approximately the ideology that the Sanders is close to. For the first time, or for the first time so openly, we have Conservatives saying openly freedom is a problem. Freedom is a problem. Go and read the national conservative manifesto by yoram hazoni he says freedom makes you think that all that matters is your life but what about the groups you are part of your clan your family your family your community so this is open collectivism this is celebrated collectivism and the sandis is happily part of this so this is who the sandis is and this is why i'm telling you today I wouldn't shed a single tear if he loses to Trump. We know Trump. Trump never claimed to be for freedom, or any, everyone understood very quickly that he has nothing to do with freedom. Trump has no ideology. Trump is wherever the wind blows. This guy has an ideology, or that's what he's telling us. And that's his ideology, the danger. it's, dangerous. it's dangerous. It's consciously anti-freedom. Consciously anti-freedom.
1: And notice how he uses the word freedom, uh, kind of an Orwellian use of the word freedom. Freedom is slavery. So freedom consists of censorship. Freedom consists of regulating private organizations. Freedom consists of bringing antitrust suits against companies we don't like. Ah, that is freedom is slavery in an Orwellian sense. He is ideological, and that makes him much more dangerous in the long run. And he's turned the concept of freedom completely inside out which makes him a, a positive threat to the concept of freedom. Uh, yes, sir.
0: Now, before we go to to our audience's contribution, which is quite general, generous today, so, th- so many thanks to everyone. Let's get back to the original question. Can he still win? So his campaign is not do- doing very well, although in the beginning he had a huge boost with donations, so he should be expecting on a Powerful starts. And many of these donations, according to what I've seen, were the maximum donations. So the people who gave a lot in the beginning cannot give more. So the question is, can he win? He has two big advantages on his side. The first advantage is that he can point to Trump and say, you lost an easily, or you lost a winnable election in 2020. You managed to lose from Joe Biden. He can also say your candidates didn't do well in the midterms. So you, Mr. Trump, have failed. That's the one argument. Of course, again, the, the Trump has such an appeal to the conservative basis in the US that I'm not even sure if this argument stands. But here's the important question, James, and here I need your help. Is there any legitimate, realistic basis? In the expectation that Trump might not run in the election, we leave aside issues such as the unexpected, something like that. He's too old. We're talking about his legal procedures. Is there a chance that Trump finds himself in a situation when he is not legally allowed to run either in the primaries, which begin in 170 days from today, or in the actual elections?
1: I think he'll be uh, able to delay a felony conviction until after, I mean, he has to wait a year and a half and he can surely delay the felony trials if necessary that long, I think. So I don't think there'll be a technical problem with him running for office. The question is his popularity. Um, It's true that that a lot of these people have maxed out on their individual contributions, but fortunately they can contribute to private organizations uh, uh political action committees which cannot be limited these days thank goodness uh under supreme court rules so i'm not quite sure there is an anti certainly a strong anti trump group out there who you know the never trumpers anyone but trump and he can certainly group as you point out uh, observe that in the last three election cycles mr trump has been a definite drag on the entire party but if he doesn't go after Trump in an ideological way, a better ideological way, I don't see him gaining traction. Those charges against Trump are only helping Trump with his religious devotees, and that's the only way to describe it, because a huge section of Republicans in this country, uh, you know, Trump said something before when he was running for president the first time, before he'd been elected. I could walk down Fifth Avenue in New York City and shoot somebody, and I'd still get the nomination. And you know, I, I, I he was he seems to be exactly have been right about that, because it appears that he can lie about top secret documents, and no one seems to care one little one little bit. Uh, about it. Uh, I, I think these indictments are only helping him because I think there is something to the fact that we have a corrupt Justice Department that has overlooked the Biden issues but focused uh, uh, very aggressively on Trump. But how the injustice or the corruption of the Justice Department should justify electing someone like Trump is a giant non sequitur, obviously. You can vote for someone else who thinks that, but it doesn't buy into all the crap that Trump supports either. So uh, that's a poor argument. But that argument, I think, is going to be lost on most Republicans. They're going to see him as persecuted. They're going to see him as a martyr and a victim. And that's only going to help Trump in certain quarters at least get the nomination. In terms of the general election, it might hurt him, and we might just have a replay of last time, although people are really getting concerned, independents, who are now almost 50 percent. People who don't identify with one of the two major parties have grown to about 50% of the electorate, and they're a very powerful group, and they're the ones who are going to decide this, the independents, not your hardcore Republicans, not your hardcore Democrats. And those folks are highly skeptical of Biden in a number of ways, his economics, his uh, competency and uh, mental acuity, for example. as well as his foreign policy. Uh, on the other hand, uh, uh, there are a lot of independents who don't like Trump. That's why he lost the last presidential election. Too ugly and dis- and divisive and the horrible things he says, the reckless things he says. There are a lot of independents out there who are also affected by some of these uh, uh, indictments in a way r- hardcore Republicans are not. So, if you're asking me who's going to get the nomination, it's Biden's and Trumps to lose right now. Something might happen, but they are clearly the front runners. But it's also true that the most Americans don't want either of them to be the front, to be the, the major party nom- nominees. Uh, and a lot will happen. I think we in terms of the general election, what happens over the next year will be really be decisive.
0: and friend is asking the question. Would you vote him over Biden? And many thanks to our friend uh, that doodle bunny with your contribution. Our friend says, I used to think the Sandis had real potential and understood individual liberty, but he's pandering to an ignorant. uh, He's pandering to like fascist uh, uh, mindset. Would you vote him over Biden? That's difficult. What do you say, James?
1: I have to say I had some initially the same impressions. When he was better on COVID lockdowns, and that's a compared to what standard? He had a lockdown. It wasn't, I wouldn't have even had the Florida lockdown, frankly, with COVID. Telling businesses they can't do with their employees and customers can't man, uh, require vaccines. That's a violation of private property. And that was the first signal I had. This guy doesn't distinguish between government mandates and private company. Uh, requirements. That distinction was already there. So even though he was comparatively better than some people, including Trump, I think on the lockdowns, uh, the way he was attacking the COVID vaccines was already disturbing. But since then, it's all been downhill in my mind for DeSantis. I don't think I could vote for DeSantis. I don't think I could vote for Trump. And to to just tell you my own history, I couldn't bring myself to vote for either Trump or Biden last time. Uh, I couldn't neither of them are viable options. Both of them are hellish alternatives, as far as I'm concerned. And my not vote, while I vote on the other issues, uh, would be the best signal I thought I could send, as meager as it was.
0: Let me tell you how I would vote. First, I wouldn't vote for the Libertarian Party, even if you told me that, <laughs> that I'm going to well give saying. you, I don't know, a, a like a Bugatti. I'm not voting for them. Uh, one of my of the things that I take very seriously in the next... Of course, I'm not voting in the US, so no one cares, but just for the discussion's sake. <laughs> uh, the war in Ukraine is important for me. And I think the Sandis is because, again, he wants to pander to the culture war right. I think he's less and less good on... He, he's more and more bad, actually, on the war in Ukraine. So I would want to see how do the candidates of both parties understand the war the moral stance on the war? And also, do they have an end game in mind? That's a very important question. Okay, we have only four minutes. So let's see what else our friends are saying. And then I'll finish with my favorite The Sun is related quote. So Michael says, tough times are fertile ground for fascism. That's interesting. Second time we get the term fascism in the comments today. James says, I'm starting to think DeSantis is betting on Trump cutting a deal with prosecutors to drop out of the presidential race in exchange for no jail time. We don't know this, but uh, it's true that DeSantis is not taking a stance one way or the other on Trump and his persecution. Uh, Many thanks to Jonathan for your generous contribution and your kind, very kind words. Thank you very much, Marilyn. Always very close to us. We appreciate this. So Richard says, many thanks, Richard, for the contribution. It's very generous. We should be choosing the best constitutional Republican on the right and the best classical liberal among the Democrats. Neither side can come close to rational politics. I agree with you, Richard, but who is the best constitutional Republican on the right? Exactly. Again, I could I could I could have a discussion about Nikki Haley. I don't know. I could have a discussion. I haven't seen such a red la- such a red flag as I've seen with the Sandis. but the Sandis is a no for me based on the things that we've shown you today. And Nicole to reality says if he, if I was a U.S. citizen, I would I would vote Democrat just to keep Trump out. Mm, that's difficult, but I, I hear you I get I get what you what you are what you are saying. And I have to say tr- uh, Biden was less bad than what I expected. he, he hasn't gone with a crazy left since 2020, I think he's lucky with the Ukraine war in terms of that he appears as a leader. He appears as the leader of the Western world. So uh, I still withhold my, my judgment on, uh, on, on Biden. James, I final
1: words. Oh, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I agree with you whole. I couldn't vote for uh, DeSantis. I know I couldn't vote for Trump. To judge, to parse between the two, I think is very difficult.
0: Someone is raising the.
1: <laughs> uh, just quickly, we have one more super chat from Equal to Reality. He says, "If I was a U.S. citizen, I would vote Democrat just to keep Trump out."
0: Dear producer, you're not paying attention. I just read that one. Oh my bad. That's what we're con- commenting on now. Okay, so this is the first daily objective of the rest of our lives, which starts half an hour earlier. My final words for the Sundays. I, f- I saw it in an article in The Atlantic. It says, the Florida government, governor isn't Trump plus competence. He's Trump minus the jokes. So you, you get <laughs> the same bad policies and you don't get the lol factor that you get with Trump. And I would add again, it's even worse with the Sandys because the Sandys does not appear almost consciously as a joker. He doesn't appear as costly as someone who every five minutes changes his youth. He's supposedly an ideologue and his ideology sucks. So right. I like these short daily objectives. Thank you very much, James, too, for being with me in this first uh, new type of uh, daily objective. We're saying goodbye because in one minute we have the premiere of what I call the daily collective. I'm not sure what the powers to be will be calling it. So I will see you all in one minute. Check it out. Bye-bye.